Welcome to Confluence of Events, a show about the stories, people, and accidents behind America's most infamous tragedies and marvels. On this episode, the 40-hour work week, Nazi spies, and a shady brothel. Confluence of Events, Crazy Campaigns. Welcome to Confluence of Events. Hey, woo! I literally cannot remember any of our episode numbers. So, fifteen, sixteen. Let's call it sixteen. Sixteen. Sweet sixteen. Sixteen. <laughs> Coming in hot. Uh, it's our uh, quinceanera. So, uh, <laughs> get us a gift. Uh, we'll put the Amazon wish That's list. 15. Yeah, what? Sweet 16. Sorry. Super, <laughs> I'm already fact checking. Super culturally competent, Nick. Great stuff. Uh, and that fact checker was Jason Bennett joining us live in Delridge Studios. Hey, hey everyone. Uh, Jason is a founder of a political consulting firm here in Seattle. Um, so we, we've crossed paths with him on various campaigns and things of that nature. Any, uh, any, how do you want to introduce yourself, man? How do I want to introduce myself? Uh, hi, I'm Jason Bennett. I'm a political consultant, big fan of the pod. Woo. Uh, thanks for having me today. Nice. <laughs> so short and so sweet. tame, so tame. No one wants to hear from a political consultant about themselves. We talk too much about ourselves. <laughs> <laughs> but if it, we brought him in. It fits the episode theme. Today we are digging into crazy campaigns. So what better person to talk about it than somebody whose day job it is to work on political campaigns and knows the ins and outs of them. Maybe pull a couple lessons from the past to present day. And stick around at the end. Um, we have a segment featuring a huge fan of the pod, Ray, uh, from Chicago, who's always hitting us up on Twitter and is awesome. And we said, we got to we gotta get this guy on the podcast. He has a story um, uh, chambered up about the assassination of Chicago's mayor. Uh, speaking of, Jason just got back from uh, Georgia, where you were doing some volunteering for the John Ossoff campaign, right? I did. I did. It was great. Uh, I will say that if you want to feel better about the possibility of our country moving in a better direction, go volunteer in a campaign, a special election, because it was uh, very humbling, and, and there was great energy out there. Great reception. And this is the special election to replace Tom Price? That is correct. So a, a Trump appointee. Freed up a Republican seat. Yep. Uh, that we're we have a puncher's chance in, right? I mean, is that sort of the? Yeah, he's been up uh, consistently in the polls, so much as seven points uh, about three weeks ago. I think it's about a point now. They've been running some pretty nasty negative ads against him on the TV. Maybe calling him like a cannibal. No, he okay. hasn't gone there. <laughs> they haven't gone there. It's been uh, done before. Mostly a terrorist <laughs> and ah, yes. the best friend Classic. of Nancy Pelosi. There was this really. They did a really great attack ad on him uh, where they basically flew a flag of him and Nancy Pelosi off the San Francisco bridge. Mm. And it was like wow. all these hippies and just every uh, caricature of a West Coast person saying, I'm so excited about John Ossoff. <laughs> oh, it was gosh. like all these crunchy granola people just 
It was a really good ad. They, <laughs> they did. It was a good attack ad. Hmm. But I see a picture of you here looking, standing with John Congressman John Lewis, civil yeah. rights oh. champion, uh, down there. Looks like all, that all was hands great. on deck. Yeah, and he is cool a, of you to dress up for that picture. I know, right? <laughs> Jason, Jason's wearing the aviators and a Captain America T-shirt. Yeah, which, <laughs> you can't really tell in that photo because of amazing Instagram filters. But I'm soaked in sweat because <laughs> I'm a big guy, and the humidity there is like five thousand percent. And John Lewis was totally lovely with his hand on my sweaty back the whole time. Oh, God. <laughs> He's like the nicest guy, and I insulted him with my excessive sweating. So it was lovely. It's people power. <laughs> it was great. And we met John Ossoff, too, who's just – he's so charismatic. And, uh, you know, in politics, I've done this for 20 years. I'm so bitter and jaded and have a dark, cold heart uh, that, it you know, when someone comes along and they just sort of like – wow you he just is really really inspiring i hope this guy wins because he's a good guy and you can tell uh he's gonna do good stuff awesome but he's also really young right so i'm a little bitter that he's uh yeah how dare he yeah how dare he succeed (laughs) (laughs) yeah Uh, so when you met him was he high and eating soy or something like that nope not at all hard to talk to him okay nope oh He's Debunked. Like, it's like, hold no. on, uh, hold on, Jason. I got to take this call from Nancy Pelosi. Uh, <laughs> no, he was really great. And the other thing that was really awesome about this, so many people who have never worked on a campaign before who live in Georgia were out in throngs with their kids. I mean, it's just, it was really, if you're just feeling down about the news over the last yeah. few weeks, that was just really inspiring. So we, I think we left there feeling pretty pumped. Sweet. That, just a little bit less jaded. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Well, with that, why don't we go around the table, uh, talk about what, what we're drinking. <laughs> oh, yeah, that was a long intro. Sorry about that. Uh, I will kick it off. I am, This is Dan, and I am drinking a can of America. That's correct. Budweiser has rebranded and is America, and Budweiser is only listed in one small part of the can. Nice. Um, it's now America. Well, in like five more years, they'll be able to trademark America <laughs> and uh, make a shit ton of money. It's a shrewd marketing move. For the Budweiser? It's oh, right, right there. Oh, I'm looking for the ounces on this tall boy. Oh. This is a, looks yeah. like, a, like a 25 ounce. That's a man's can there, dude. Yeah, Good I'll be you. nice and loose by the end of this. Nice. Uh, this is Carlo, still uh, waging war against my bullet bourbon bottle. Um, also feeling very American. So also there you go. feeling very alliterative. Good work. Yeah. Bullet bourbon, two bees waging war. Against- oh, oh, wow! Come on, dude. <laughs> they call me Shakespeare. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I'm Nick. I'm drinking a Montucky cold snack. It's basically like uh, if you had a PBR, but then you put uh, a vintage Montana license plate on it. It's it's the mm. same thing. It's good branding. I like it. Uh, and, and watered it down. And well, PBR's already big. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm Jason. I'm drinking Hudson News coffee. I'm double fisting it. And then I brought, in a thematic drink, uh, Irish Death. Nice. That's a twofer on the podcast. I was drinking Irish Death for the Molly Maguires, and now it's back. It's good. (laughs) And uh, shout out, because Jason just got off the plane, literally, and came here. Right, Emma? Yeah, well done. Hudson Hudson is the shitty airport (laughs) (laughs) market. Right. It's it's not uh, top of the line. It's not French (laughs) press coffee, but it's not horrible either. It's a notch above the Amazon bookstores that are now invading the U.S. <laughs> That's true. Uh, this is Alex. Uh, I am drinking a uh, Casamigos tequila today, um, mostly because I pledge to only consume fruits and vegetables for one week, and tequila is just the agave plant, yeah. and so it 
fits completely into my scheme. <laughs> Wait, uh, how far, how many days in are you on this? I'm on my last, second to last day. So, so tomorrow will be the final day. And it's fucking hard not to eat pizza, <laughs> man. I'll tell you. And it looks like maybe like you're, bought, you're, you're almost out there. So the last day is going to be rough. Right? Yeah, this is the last of the Casamigos, which is uh, the George Clooney's tequila, and is eh, it's all right. <laughs> um, but yeah, basically, if you can only eat fruits and vegetables, you have to choose your alcohols wisely. Tequila, I don't know, like maybe some corn whiskeys. There isn't a lot of choices for a complete vegetable. Potato alcohol. vodka. <laughs> you could do a potato vodka. Potato yeah. vodka would yep. work. Yeah. So is this like been a rewarding? week do you feel better or are you just like i gotta tough it out for I, I feel full of energy and superior to everyone around me <laughs> uh, it's more you vegan look than like vegan. death you look like death. <laughs> hey man cheers to that all right <laughs> uh all right so what what is the topic jason what what gem have you brought in for us to yeah to well cover i'm a fan of the sex scandal on a campaign and how people either survive them or don't survive them aren't we all yeah mm. I, they're <laughs> captivating <laughs> and there are so many yes. to choose from uh so i wanted to choose something that maybe was a little bit relevant for today and had some interesting uh overlays in terms of politics and its impact on future elections so I chose uh, David Walsh. Never heard of him. him. Crickets. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> he is surprisingly the first and most enduring uh, Democratic political official in Massachusetts. And he really, his election and his long tenure in politics in Massachusetts not only paved the way for a Democratic takeover of the state, which had long been Republican dominated, but also ushered in the Kennedy dynasty. So what, what years are we in right now? Uh, well, he was first elected in 1901 Ooh, and going way back. 1947. So he's a long, illustrious oh. career in that state. 46 Jesus. years. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Started well, off in the state house. And you know, when you roll the dice that thing. many times, yeah. you're going to hit a sex scandal yeah. sooner or later, yeah. right? <laughs> and he lost. The other thing that's hilarious about this is this guy lost his seats and elections like four times. And came and back. came back. Oh, wow. Ooh. Every time. Yep. Like a cockroach. <laughs> Yeah, he's kind of maybe like the Rick Santorum of democratic politics in Massachusetts, right? Just keeps coming back for more. Anyway, so getting back to him, he uh, David Walsh is an Irish Catholic. He came from a huge family, family of immigrants. Already uh, suspicious of this guy. Yeah, from Ireland in Massachusetts. That's important for a little bit later. His dad was a co-maker and his mom ran a boarding house after his father died when he was 12. Massachusetts at the time was uh, very Republican, and Democrats weren't winning many seats outside of Boston. So he, you know, ran as a man of the people uh, and and protecting workers' rights, and won his state house race uh, in 1901. And he, when he was in office, he pushed very hard for uh, workers' rights, particularly shortening the work week for women and children children who could still work in factories at the time. Who still had the privilege to work. Yeah. That's right. (laughs) Wow. Pick themselves up by the bootstraps. Job killer. Yeah. Killed those jobs. (laughs) Well, the interesting thing is, so he he advocated and and was successful in reducing the work week for women and children to 58 hours per week. Holy fuck. (laughs) Such a life of leisure. I know. (laughs) Those lazy children. What do they do with all that time? Like sleep? Yeah. (laughs) What do you do in your Recreate. free time <laughs> yes. as a child if you work 60 hours a week? 
Well, you I, have no, what are you doing? That's a good question. I think like you smoke a cigarette, <laughs> <laughs> you do a pull of whiskey, and then you swear at your mom. I, that's all I can think. Or of. you get to the chores <laughs> of the house. Uh, so anyway, the business community, uh, you know, conspired against him, and he lost his reelection for that. Uh, he didn't sit idle. He ran for lieutenant governor. Uh, one after two attempts, he ran once and then again. And then lost that race in a Republican wave and then decided to run for governor in 1914 and he won. Wow. Massachusetts at the time only had one year governorship terms. So he <laughs> ran. For Jesus. Super efficient. Commonwealth. Yeah. yeah. So they, uh, he ran twice, was elected, and then lost his reelection uh, on the third time. This guy's like a, a persistence poster or whatever, you know, like never give up. Just yeah. keep. Every day. Every failure is a... Was this common at this time? Was it common for a politician to lose a race and then come back and run again? Or do they just go yep. into... Okay. Abraham Lincoln, I think, lost yeah. six times before... What? President. Wow. Something like that. I don't remember if his six is the actual actual number but let that be a lesson to the listeners at home keep losing yeah. eventually you'll win uh jagged little pill was alanis morissette's third album Whoa. <laughs> a, that is a lesson never give up folks <laughs> i like it as governor he uh supported very controversial topics like women's suffrage and expanding voting rights mm. and became a champion of the working people he actually was so successful uh in charming both sides of the aisle that he got several Republican former elected officials to endorse his campaigns. Hmm. So he was quite popular for a Democrat in a very Republican state. Yeah, this is pre-women's suffrage. So Yeah, it, it is. And it's weird, yeah. It was hmm. not popular in Massachusetts at the time. So uh, he lost his third bid for governor. Two years later, he ran for the Senate, U.S. Senate, and won. So and he's never had a job. Basically, like a real job. He uh, just, <laughs> just running for office. He, he was a lawyer. He, he did get a law degree okay, right. at Boston College. Uh, but well, Carlo has a law yeah, degree. I, that doesn't mean anything. I stand by my statement. <laughs> I stand by my statement. Fair point. <laughs> um, so, you know, at the time, the 1924 Democratic uh, Party convention, uh, the Ku Klux Klan had probably the height of its power at this point. And there was a group of Northern Democrats that were trying to get that influence out of the party. And so he stood on the floor of the Democratic Party convention floor and advocated that we, you know, push the Ku Klux Klan out of the party and said that if Democrats can rail against Bolshevism and Republicanism, they certainly can stand up against Ku uh, Kluxism. I think that's the way he described it. <laughs> So he's a small tent <laughs> proponent. I mean, race, racism <laughs> might have been a little bit smoother of a way to say yeah. it, but, you know. I like that. Small tent D. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So he was, you know, the leading voice for a federal minimum wage and a 40-hour work week while he was in the U.S. Senate. I, I like this guy. Yeah. Speaking my language. He's great. All right. Up until... <laughs> uh, up until we start going, getting into world wars. So in the U.S. Senate, he climbed up to power because he'd been in office for a long time, and he was the chair of uh, their subcommittee on the Navy. And he was a strong isolationist, did not believe in U.S. intervention, uh, wanted to back out of the Spanish-American War at the time. There was some tra treaty stuff happening with the Philippines. He was against um, and battled when FDR came into office. Uh, 
all the time over intervention and sort of expanding the imperialism of the U.S. Walsh headed the America First movement, which was the leading. Nice. Yeah, sounds familiar. Yeah. Oh, it's back. You know that term? Sounds sound a little familiar? <laughs> which what, basically. Wait, what else would America be, guys? Right. It's real <laughs> simple. Right. Well, if you're not first, you're last. So. Yeah. There's only one number one, baby. <laughs> Everything else is a loser. This America First movement, though, was about U.S. intervention in World War II. And up until Pearl Harbor was a pretty strong anti-interventionist movement. And he was seen as the leader of it. This is like Charles Lindbergh. And uh, yeah, there's a famous Madison Square Garden rally where they had like 30,000 dudes in brown shirts basically, you know, saying, chill out. Hitler, <laughs> Hitler's cool. Yeah. I saw photos of it. It's crazy. Yeah. It is packed. Yeah. Oh, America. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, That's a great slogan for you to run on. <laughs> One of the interesting things, though, even though FDR, who is also a Democrat, and Walsh, who is a Democrat, they are fighting and fighting publicly, both are very popular within Massachusetts. Um, Walsh is up for re-election during this time, and he wins with a larger share of the vote than FDR does. He's incredibly popular. He holds a huge rally at Fenway Park at the time. It's a fundraiser. And it's sold out. It's like wow. Bernie Sanders and Trump style for a yeah. fundraiser. For a congressman. For a senator. For a senator. senator. But yeah. still. I mean, you can really. Uh, yeah. <laughs> can't fill 200 person room right. with a senator. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know that. <laughs> for a fact. Here's where things get a little tricky for, for David Walsh. So it's widely rumored at the time that he's gay. Uh, Insofar as the New York Times and Time Magazine call him the dandiest dresser in the U.S. Senate, <laughs> which I just think is hilarious. Or, you know how they come up with all these ridiculous names for beers? I was looking for like a Boston dandy. Beer, everything else. Uh, I yeah. would have loved to have had something like that. Sam Adams, not dandy dressed, my not friend. Not dandy dressed. No. I mean, it depends on the eye of the beholder. Maybe to some that's dandy. Totally but... straight. Yeah. Sam Adams. <laughs> they did this big, long Time Hit magazine, and I didn't pay for a subscription to read the old archive, but I should have, because they did this whole profile piece on him and his voting, and they talk about his silk shirts with stiff collars and oh. floral prints. And <laughs> yes. Like, you just can't say somebody's gay, yep, but boy, no. you can intimate it and everything <laughs> that they're wearing and what they look like. So Who's the uh, Republican who got taken down because he made his office look like uh, Downton Abbey? Oh, that young guy. Oh. Yeah. I mean, totally straight. Adam shocked. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. yeah anyways, <laughs> he was you, a very good dresser. You do the math, yeah. listeners. <laughs> Where did he go? <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, maybe I need to plot his comeback. Right. Yeah. yeah. There you go. But this didn't ruin his career, uh, Walsh. I mean, he was still survived the allegations. Right? Well, so. You know the allegations of looking nice. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it's just it, it, the time you didn't talk about being gay at all, mm -hmm. so everything was pushed underground. And so, uh, on May seventh, nineteen forty-two, as things with uh, World War Two are heating up. Yeah, you know that, right, Carlo? 
from your games that you play? World War One, Jason. That's all he oh, knows. Is it only World War One? Questioning yeah. your fandom, but I'll let it slide. I was really hoping that I was going like, to be the super fan, and I kind of screwed that one no, up. No, I, I can confirm that we were at war in 1942, though. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Great. Oh, thank excellent. You. Okay, moving on. Let's get to the sex. So, on May 7th, 1942, the I'm New so York Post, on. which has uh, been a long-time advocate of intervening... Uh, into the war, posted a sensational uh, sex scandal story about a male brothel in Brooklyn that was frequented by U.S. Navy personnel and powerful government and business officials. In uh, Brooklyn? In Brooklyn. Did it have a cool name, like the Emperor's Club? Oh, I'm getting to it. <laughs> yes! Yes! Oh, it's coming. <laughs> the only reason I chose this story was because of the name that they called it. It's so offensive. It's amazing. Okay. Every sex club has a great name. Yeah. <laughs> so the, it's part the, of your uh, trademark. You know, it is. Yeah. So the, the, the problem with the brothel is that it was long suspected, uh, because it was under surveillance by the police, that it was being infiltrated by Nazi spies. Because it was so close to a Navy shipyard, they thought uh, that you know Nazi spies were going there and hooking up with Navy personnel and getting military secrets and information. Hmm. So they conducted this surveillance and did a raid, and lo and behold, they arrested three Nazi spies. Real Nazi spies? Like, we think? They were actually doing this? Yeah, they called them Nazi agents. So I don't know if that means that they were spies or sympathizers. You know, this was the 40s. It didn't really matter if things were... But that's a remarkably complex plot, I gotta say. And what kind of surveillance were they doing, I wonder? Yeah. Yeah. You know? (laughs) You're right. It was, no, it was like the uh, when the cops have to go bust the strip clubs, you know. But oh, they, yeah. uh, they end up spending a couple days and rack up a few grand dollar tab. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> doing didn't, surveillance. Didn't doing someone surveillance. try to pass a law that the cops can't do that anymore? And <laughs> yeah. It didn't, didn't pass. Like, it was like cops can no longer spend money at strip clubs <laughs> to investigate them. <laughs> it's a shame. Yeah. Well, uh, that's why we're not catching any of these spies anymore. <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Uh, so they arrest got these... one hand tied behind our back. <laughs> <laughs> they arrest these Nazi agents and the male brothel's owner. The brothel's owner. Male brothel. It's a male brothel. Does everybody get that point? Oh, I think yeah. I've hammered that. Okay. It's all, yeah. Yeah. all men. Okay. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a brothel? Is that what you're saying? Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Woo. I see Plus when you one. when you just eat fruit and uh, vegetables, the wit. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. yeah. You're firing. I got I'm on all vitamins right now. <laughs> Good. Uh, so the the brothel owner uh, basically intimates that Senator X, some famous senator, has frequented this brothel several times. They do interviews with some of the prostitutes there, and they also confirm that a very powerful government official has been there. So they called Senator X. The the news media is restrained for two weeks, uh, not naming who this person is, and they just referred to it as Senator X. So the Post, the New York Post, is really the only magazine that's getting into the nitty-gritty details of this. Uh, all of the other media publications are more reserved because it's too salacious. Yeah, classic New York Post, though. Classic New York Post. They haven't they, changed. They've really grown up. Yeah. <laughs> So then it takes about two weeks, and then they come out that it's David Walsh is the senator, and all hell breaks loose. Other media start picking it up, and they they coin this term for the Brooklyn spy nest, as they're calling it, 
the swastika swishery. Yes. Oh, wow. So that's the name of the brothel. It doesn't really have a name name, but everyone starts calling it the swastika swishery. Speaking of alliteration. Mm, yeah, that's good, a mouthful, yeah. <laughs> so to speak. Um, <laughs> so. This was what a fun time. Okay, the war, the war very terrible. But like spyness and no. covert agents. And, yeah, very yeah. romantic. Right. Uh, also, the swastika swishery was the name of Hitler's bunker. So, <laughs> in a weird tie-in. Yeah. So anyway, um, not surprisingly, he denies all of these allegations. The story is just sort of dripping out day by day. More stories are coming out. Um, the male brothel owner signs an affidavit saying that he definitely has seen David Walsh there. And then here's the... What a snitch, though. Probably with a gun put to his head, though, right? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> yeah. So um, David Walsh gets on, you know, goes public and says he vehemently denies this and says it's a diabolical lie and this is a conspiracy to take down anti-interventionists. Uh, and because the Post is the only one reporting on this, and they have long been advocating for intervention, you can see this as a conspiracy, and I demand a full investigation. This is the National Enquirer playbook, right? Right. Oh, tabloid trash. Indeed. Mm -hmm. You know, David Walsh, you know, being a lion of the Senate, has many friends in the Senate, and several of them are supporters of isolation, and come to his defense. So the FBI is run by J. Edgar Hoover at this point, not known for pro-gay advocacy uh, and, and keeping gays in government. He's done a pretty good job. Despite being a very well-dressed man himself. Yes, he was a dandy yeah. as himself. Hmm. It's very dandy. It is, allegedly. It, allegedly. It is Pride Month, we should note. And, yeah. uh, there's no J. Edgar Hoover uh, themed events, or, you know, like, <laughs> we're not honoring his great legacy, huh? I can, I mean, maybe I can't really speak on behalf of the gay community. <laughs> I, I will in this moment, and I'm pretty sure we no, don't see him as an no. icon of gay rights. An we ally. don't really see him as, <laughs> as a person who's really led to the advances. <laughs> it's not Harvey Milk first yes. and then J. Edgar Hoover second. It doesn't. I don't think so. When, when not blackmailing MLK, he was, uh, you know, yeah. yeah. Does so, any community claim J. Edgar no. Hoover? I don't think so. I don't, I don't He's pretty so. much hated by everyone. Good job, J. Edgar. Maybe the anti-communist community does. Yeah. See him as a bit of a hero. Mm. But anywho, so J. Edgar is uh, you know, leading this investigation and surprisingly exonerates David Walsh. He says there's no connection of collusion there whatsoever. So he... This report comes out. The, the other thing that's shocking is Holy this. fuck, this is like a Comey letter. This it's is, like a Comey yes. letter. Yes. And, oh, yeah. yeah. And. But reverse. Or, no, the That's same. good. Same. It was, no, he did exonerate. Yeah. This took two weeks. So, <laughs> this, <laughs> this entire investigation took two weeks. This report was delivered on the House or the Senate floor. It was read, portions of it were read out loud. They did not submit it into the official Senate record because it was too salacious for decent gentlemen and ladies. So they... Ooh. What a time! Yeah. 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 Can you even imagine that flying right now? That would not work I would love it. Yeah, he'd be like, um, well, we really want to you know, release the results of the investigation, but it is just too juicy. <laughs> <laughs> and then everyone just being like, oh, that, that's acceptable. Right. Yeah, that's, good for you. Oh, we don't want to know... <laughs> This investigation is premium content. You're going to have to subscribe. Exactly. <laughs> it's like Cinemax subscription. 
so so they say that there's no collusion present. Uh, J. Edgar Hoover specifically points out that all of the other accusations about whether or not he um, hired a prostitute, paid for sex with men, was gay, were not part of their investigation, that they were only specifically looking at the collusion with Nazi agents. And then he says, there does contain derogatory information in this file. And that's it. Hmm. Hmm. A little bit of a teaser. Yeah. Know. Yeah. Yep. Right. Absolutely. So the whisper campaign goes on. Uh, he, David Walsh, tries to go back to the Senate business as best he can. He's up for election next year. He is convinced that FDR is going to run. Oh, one other point. Uh, FDR is trying to stack the Supreme Court at this point uh, as we're getting ready for his real, David Walsh's re-election. And so David decides that he's going to be the leading uh, voice to oppose the stacking of the court. Oh. Maybe not the wisest. Take on the president? He was also Mm. stacking it for good reasons. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Why? Uh, It was a conservative court that was stopping all of his progressive uh, anti-poverty stuff. Got it. Right. Despite that, David Walsh is convinced that FDR is going to run a Democratic primary opponent against him. But he doesn't. He endorses him. He still loses. He's totally wiped out in the election. The Whisper campaign destroys him, even though he was somewhat exonerated. And then he died like a year and a half later. Many people say of a broken heart. Yeah. So that does not have a happy ending, I'm sorry to say. I really like this guy, though. Yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. But did he give any secrets to the Nazis? Was that ever figured out? I mean, it, I mean, he like, apparently he's exonerated and never visited Nazis in the first place, but... Right. So one of the things that's interesting about uh, the FBI report, which I, I should have foia for this, I'm really just <laughs> bad. You know, your friend Corey, who came on, really raised the bar for special guests. No, I think And is, I am just not hitting it. This, I should have foia no, the 200-page report. This is a call to Confluence of Events Nation. Yeah. Go get the report. Go yeah. foia that and <laughs> tweet it at All us. All right, guys, you have your marching orders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> There has to be some lonely nerd out there that would do that for us, right? Oh. Uh, there are thousands, judging by our downloads. Yeah, go, go forth. Good. Please go do that. Anyway, one of the snippets that I read from the report uh, was that this brothel owner recanted his recanting, and so like he would flip back and forth week by week based on how the public was sort of moving on this. Mm-hmm. And the final, yeah. It's very good for your credibility. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, back in the 40s, if you were a brothel owner, I'm pretty sure they were, you were being blamed for everything anyways. So he, um, he recants his initial statement where he says he's seen David there. He, he recants the recanting. So it's unclear whether or not he even went to this place in the, in the first place. He was clearly gay. Wow. Everybody knew he was gay. They accused him of having right. a houseboy um, from the Philippines, which is why he was opposed to the say, the lend lease with the Philippines. It was like <laughs> that's how it works, right? They were just <laughs> slamming him with everything. We, it was it's pretty awful. We could also say our occupation of the Philippines, one of the darker chapters in U.S. history. So I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt on this one. But it was all the, it, <laughs> it was, was all, it was all the houseboy though. <laughs> yeah. He wanted he was all in until the houseboy you know whispered in his ear, ear. Yeah. <laughs> a little pillow talk and uh, yeah. Last next thing you know, we're out. We've all done less for love. Yeah. So let's, not judge. let's not judge. This is actually a strategy, though, right? Uh, beautiful men, women to go 
sidle up to, to powerful people, right? Isn't this a classic spy move? You know, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. But yep. imagine it's very effective. So. Yep. So you know, he never married, uh, had lots of platonic lady friends. Uh, he comes from a family of ten siblings, and four of his sisters never married either. So they were very devout Catholics, and they just never, they never married. Quite an unusual family. This makes me like him even more, though, because the politically expedient thing to do would be have a family. At that time. Right. Bring out a beard. Right. Yeah. And he's he's like, fuck it. No. Yeah. I'm not doing it. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, A bit of a Buchanan in that respect. Yep. Exactly. Hmm. So. Or Tom Cruise. (laughs) (laughs) Cruise tried. No, Tom gave it his best shot. Yeah. (laughs) Is he still a Scientologist? Oh yeah, yeah. he is. Yeah, oh. he's neither of his ex-wives are. I don't. Think. <laughs> so. But he's still charming as hell, so I will watch whatever he's. <laughs> um, so for out politicians, um, is this? Uh, well, I imagine they were were closeted, and, and never mind, he wasn't out. Uh, but but no. for for the opportunities to be out, Harvey Milk was the first local politician or the first politician period to to uh, be out. And, and elected. I think Harvey Milk is the first openly gay politician. I this guy should get more credit. Mm-hmm. I like him. He's great. Minimum He's... wage, women's rights. Yeah, super progressive. Uh, Forty hour work week. Yeah. I never heard of him. No, Fifty six yeah. hour work week for no. kids. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Yeah, he was trying to get away. He was trying to limit it. <laughs> Baby steps. Yeah. Like, you just don't cut the work. He's week. an incrementalist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> The other thing that's interesting, so when he ran for the Senate, he defeated uh, Henry Cabot Lodge, and then he was defeated after this scandal by his son, and then JFK beat him Hmm. after his third term. So the Kennedy clan sweeps into this position uh, after David Walsh paved the way for Democratic wins. But for David Walsh, we might not have... Hmm. You might have to add him to the confluence of events pantheon of uh, unknown heroes. Yeah. Kennedy's also had a lot of great sex scandals, too. So I know. Thanks for that. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a two-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Part one of March, 10. March, 1960. <laughs> Here we go, an hour. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That was awesome. That was yeah. a good story, man. He, he's yeah. a good guy. Uh, he's been pretty much scrubbed from all of the Irish. <laughs> Wait, we uh, can we Google history? a picture here, Dan? Can oh, we, yeah, here we, can we see David Walsh? Yeah, I want to see if he's uh, outfitted. As yeah, this is the press. Has uh, good. There's a good, good audio looking content. photo with a stiff collar. With a stiff collar. That's how you know. Uh, let's see. Uh, that one in the upper right is him. That's uh, his later life. Yeah, he looks like everybody else. He's wearing a yeah. suit. Yeah, I mean, he's a schlubby white guy. Right, in yeah. Office. yeah. Nothing, I mean, nothing. Both like... right home about, but. I, I also got to say, although the Post took this guy down, thank God for the free press that can write this kind of shit, right? I mean. Yes, I know. would like to go on record as I fully support a free and open press. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's a brave stand, Jason. Uh, no, but like, where else in the world in 1942, you know, I don't know. Were you writing shit like this to destroy a, par- a powerful politician, right? What during war you want you you were pro taking down this guy? We're not I'm, taking I'm down pro this guy. free press. I'm pro, pro the uh, pro the right for the press to take down yes. a powerful yeah. man. Oh, yeah, big ups. Especially yeah. during a war. During wartime, lots of countries uh, we'll shut it down. Shut yeah. it down. Yeah. Alien yeah. and Sedition Act type yeah, of stuff. Yeah. We did that. We shut it down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we made an exception for the gay senator from Massachusetts. <laughs> yeah. We said take him down. 
allegations taking down a gay elected official. <laughs> thank God for that. Press. Thank you. Thank, thankfully, it never happened before, never happened after. It's a one, one, time. Time. one time. So that was the story of David Walsh. Uh, Jason, thank you so much for, for sharing that. Thank you for having me. Yeah. That wraps part one of Crazy Campaigns. Um, that was a nutso one with Nazis and brothels and FDR. Um, but we will now, uh, next time, we will see you with part two Crazy Campaigns. No, what are the people supposed to do? Yeah, they're supposed to, the people are supposed to subscribe on whatever podcast <laughs> platform they use and also on whatever podcast platform they use they're supposed to leave a review nothing but positive reviews we don't want any two-star reviews only five-star reviews um and also follow us on twitter confluence pod and go to our facebook and find our facebook page confluence of events wait we, we have 47 reviews on itunes we need 50 reviews Ooh, let's magic i will 50. throw down the gauntlet it needs to be to 50 so go forth go forth minions we'll see you next time All right, that was an awesome uh, segment on David Walsh, and uh, let's let's dial up uh, Ray and get him on the line. Alex, hit it. Hello. Hey, is this Ray? Yes. Hey, man, this is Carlo. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. We hey. got the gang all here. Hey, man, how's it going, Ray? How are you doing? How's life in uh, in Chicago? Right? Is that where you are? Uh, yeah. Um, Chicago suburbs. Um. Pretty good. Uh, we're getting summer back, so that's that's a good thing. You and us both, man. You and us <laughs> both. How did you find out about Confluence of Events? Um, I believe you guys actually followed me on Twitter, or um, I ended up following <laughs> a podcast and just kind of was that way. And so I decided to check you guys out, and that's uh, the history, I guess. Nice. Just, uh, What's your favorite podcast? Ooh. That's a good one. Um, I would like to say the... It's only one right answer I guess here, the, Ray. Yeah. The, uh, the presidential... Uh, I don't say impeachment, but the... Ooh, private, uh, presidents behaving the, badly. Yes, that was, yeah. uh, that was very fun and entertaining. <laughs> that was a good one. <laughs> Let's see. And who's your favorite uh, host? Oof. Yeah. Um, I've, I mentioned this before. Uh, I like Dan... Oh, yeah. Yeah. thank you, Ray. Yeah. Oh. Um, I guess, and I mean, everyone has their qualities, obviously. Uh, um, basically, Dan, specifically because of the boys, but uh, it's it's very close. I, I'll say <laughs> all of you guys. Very diplomatic. Very yeah, very thank good. You. All right, so you uh, you are honorary Midwest correspondent, and you're going to give us uh, a, mid a Chicago story, right? Something with a little Midwest yes. flavor. Mm -hmm. All right, what what do you got for us? So this is the almost assassination of FDR. Uh, this one isn't really known because we think of FDR as just kind of taking the saddles in the 30s of the Great Depression and um, just going into World War II and then dying. But little known fact was that in 1933, FDR was president-elect, and he was making tours around the country, gaining support for the New Deal and some of those stuff. And um, the mayor of Chicago at the time, Anton Cermak, 
went to Miami, Florida, where the speech was given, and there they uh, they were taking pictures and basically getting support for one another. And during the speech, which was in a vehicle on near the sea, Giuseppe, which is one of the best assassin names I could think of, probably, um, as they had it. <laughs> My father's name. He, uh, <laughs> oh. No, I'm just kidding. Well, no <laughs> <laughs> he was a bricklayer in Miami, and he yelled, too many people are starving, and he fires off six shots with a pistol. And uh, he hits five people. One of them is from a, But not FDR. <laughs> No, he he gets uh, he gets saved. By, apparently, he gets saved by a woman's purse hitting Giuseppe's arm. Oh, and it just misses him. He he uh, gets shot in the stomach. They get in that vehicle that FDR had the speech in, and they speed off. Cermak's reportedly last words are, "I'm glad it was me instead of you to FDR." Oh. Um, this was reported by the Tribune. Hasn't really been, um, hasn't been verified, but... I choose to believe it. It's an awesome last word, if it is, I would think. So, and you know that Carlo has a thing for last words, I right? do, yeah. You got to have your last words chambered up. But this was on the fly. This was pretty good. Yeah, I, I would think my last words would be, ow, I got shot. <laughs> like, that's, that's <laughs> it hurts so much. <laughs> FDR doesn't strike me as someone who survived an assassination attempt. Like, you know, he was out and about after this. So I feel like, yeah, yeah, um, I think some of that has to do with, uh, him having a polio and trying to hide it. So he's trying to like, look like he's a strong presidential candidate because at that time, no one really knew that he had polio. And so it's kind of made us part of it. And also with, with the atmosphere of, of the United States, I don't think he would be, it would be behoove him to, to stop and just say, wait a minute, I, got, I almost got assassinated. Let me take a few weeks off and hope American public gets behind me. Yeah, brave. A little bit braver than me. I would have taken <laughs> a long time off <laughs> and hid behind my, my bodyguards. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. I would, be, I would oh. have two, two deep at least. <laughs> Also, like two two rows. Uh, yeah. So, what was um, the name of the mayor again? Anton Cermak. guy who took a bullet for FDR, so plausibly won World War II and defeated Hitler, right? Uh, if but yeah, for but for yeah <laughs> yeah yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll take it or at least guys have a great question. Whichever yeah. one seems more heroic for him. Both are good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, hey, that was awesome, Ray. I appreciate you taking the time. Uh, any any words for the the Confluence of Events audience? Any uh, words of wisdom? Um, I would say, think of your last words and put it on a piece of paper and carry it with you at all times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. For for that for the fact checkers, right? <laughs> I like it. I like it. It does sound vaguely threatening to our viewers too. Like, but I love it. Right. You, you never know. You Just never saying, know. better write those last words down. Better write the last words. <laughs> uh, hey, that was awesome, man. Thanks again for listening, man. That's really cool. Yeah, thanks for having me again. Uh, I enjoyed listening, and uh, it was kind of a pleasant surprise to be asked to to call in. Yeah, no, that was great. Hey, the pleasure is ours, man. Yeah, take care. Later, man. Adios. See ya.
This is Nathaniel Lloyd, host of Historical Blindness, the Odd Past podcast. Join us every two weeks as we explore the blind spots in our past, uncovering mysteries, exposing hoaxes, and shedding light on obscurities. For the past is a dark and mysterious continent, and looking back, we are but explorers searching for meaning. Find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play Music, and almost any podcast app. I hope you'll check out the show.